Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenceless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then they wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 0818969696, the number to call. The text to WhatsApp or voice note number is 0833969696. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Today it's about you and your reaction to yesterday's budget package. 11 billion euro. Your newspapers are full of supplements, analysis, detail of who'll get this and who'll get that and who won't get the other. They're all in there. And over the next couple of hours, we're going to pull as much as we can of it together. We'll do other things too, but as much as we can of it together and try to get the view of our listeners to the opinion line as to what you think of budget 2023. I can't remember in my lifetime a government with 11 billion euro to spend on budget day to tackle a huge problem like the cost of living. Joined first of all this morning by the leader of the opposition and Uchtron Hinfein, uh, Mary Lou MacDonald. Mary Lou, it doesn't look there's a lot in this to complain about. Morning. Well, good morning, PJ, and good, good morning to your listeners. Good morning to Cork. Um, certainly, as you say, it was a massive, massive budget. I mean, 11 billion euro is a a huge sum uh, of money and a huge opportunity for the government to do a a couple of things. Firstly, to bring uh, comfort, support and certainty to people who have struggled now for months, for a year and more in a, a growing cost of living crisis, but also an opportunity to make the right moves with the big systemic challenges and crises that we've faced, particularly in health, but all, uh, also in housing. Um, and we've we've talked about that before. So mm. what's the upshot of the budget? Certainly, they, as they say, they flash the cash. 
um, and people will read in those supplements that you referred to, you know, the one off payments that are to be made and so on. And look at um, when people are under pressure and families are under pressure, of course, it's better to get something rather than nothing. All of us, all of us know that. Um, but to be honest and truthful with you, what was lacking from yesterday's uh, announcement was providing the necessary certainty that I know families are looking for as we head into now autumn and winter months, particularly on the issue of energy bills, but also on the issue of rent. And I think those are two big fails uh, for the government. I also am very disappointed that there wasn't provision made for even one additional acute bed um, in terms of the health budget. A big promise has been made about GP cards. The GPs knew nothing about this. It was news to them. So a question mark there. But as you say, a huge amount of money has been spent. The question is, was it spent in the right way? Do we get the maximum and the fairest, most equitable return? And I have to say, notwithstanding the big spend, it does not meet the fairness or the certainty test. And I think that will become apparent to Mm. people when the noise dims and when people actually survey and say, right, well, what does this actually mean for me today, tomorrow, next month and into into next year? Focus, if you would, for a minute on energy. It's the big talking point in in everybody's minds. Every house is affected by the by the energy crisis. What did they do wrong in your view? They have relied exclusively on uh, one-off payments. So all of your listeners will receive a 200 euro credit between now and Christmas. That's that's what you're being offered in respect of your energy bill. Now, 200 quid is better than nothing. So let's just say that out loud. But the question is, is that enough for people? The, the real danger here, PJ, is that what, what will happen now is what happened last spring with the last credit. By the time it lands into people's pocket, it's actually been gobbled up by yet another increase in mm. your energy mm. bills. And we made the case very strongly to government that what needed to happen was to bring back electricity costs back to 2021 level, pre all of these outrageous hikes, and cap them there, not forever, but certainly to get us through to the end of February, the worst of the autumn and winter months where we know, I mean, about three quarters of energy expended in any household, it happens most intensively in those months. That would have done two things. It would have addressed the issue of affordability in the here and now, but crucially, it would have taken that worry away from people. The heart crossways in them, that not alone can they not meet the bill now, but the very idea that there would be another increase and another. And by the way, PJ, nobody should be swayed by the government saying we can't do it, it can't be done. This option of a cap was recognised by the European Commission way back when they they gave their toolkit. And it is an approach that is being adopted in countries right across Europe. France is doing it and other countries are doing it and there's that. But then if you go and look at a a group of people or if you want an outfit that tend to know energy prices and I refer to bonkers.ie the people at bonkers.ie I would say know their energy prices and they say in a piece of research they did based on the present energy price levels. To do what you wanted to do, Mary Lou McDonald, would cost in the bones of 10 billion for the first year. That's everything else gone. 
on one measure. That's what they estimate. Ten billion right, in well, one year. Well, no, we had we had set aside and and we we built in caveats for as of yet on on um on uh, spoken or unadvertised uh, 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 hikes in energy in electricity prices. And we budgeted for 1.6 billion using the best available data in terms of energy consumption and pegging prices. There's no there's no betting on that. It's like throwing your week's wages on the four o'clock at Kempton because you've no notion where it's going to go. And that's what based on patterns of the last 12 months, bonkers are saying 10 billion. Well, no, well, I, I would dispute and I, I, we've no one on from bonkers for, for me to debate that out. But but let me just say, we are not proposing this as a permanent measure. So mm. I don't know what bonkers were actually calculating. Clearly, it would be bonkers to suggest that indefinitely that the state could subvent and underwrite uh, electricity costs in that way. No, no, we, we, we could not. What we are saying is from now at this critical juncture till the end of February to get people through mm. the autumn and the winter. And by the way, we have also said, BJ, and let me make this clear, that this had to be also in conjunction with a windfall tax yeah. to ensure that the big, big profits that are being returned, that actually some of that gets back into the state coffers uh, and gets recycled back through the system. It's obnoxious that... Uh, Big energy companies are making record windfalls. Yeah. Isn't, isn't the EU in the process of doing something about that, though, on, on a broader scheme? Uh, just on homeless, I, I know I our time is limited, Mary Lou. On, 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 yeah, on, sure. on homelessness, what have they not yes. done, in your view? Well, they've, they've, on homelessness and on housing, they have de- demonstrated their hallmark now, defining absolute lack of any ambition or any lack of sense uh, of what needs to happen next. I mean, I was talking to my colleague Owen O'Brien reflecting uh, when the, the budget was read and there's, there, there's sweet damn all in terms of a plan, a pathway or any kind of ambitious resourcing as regards homelessness. And I have to say we have witnessed time and again this government fail and fail badly mm-hmm. on housing. I mean, their, their big brag yesterday was a 500 euro uh, tax credit for renters. You've been asking uh, for that for months say, and months and months. Yes, we have been at them. And the, the policy, as we have described it, has to be done in full. It can't be done by half measures. What we need and what we still need is a refundable tax credit that gives renters a month's rent back into their pocket. And that has to be accompanied by a ban on rent increases for three years. The two must go hand in hand. The Taoiseach knows this. We know this from the Dáil records. The the government know this. And for the life of me, I cannot fathom that they have chosen this kind of uh, approach with renters. It is wholly insufficient. Oh, and the tax relief is backdated too, isn't it? It's backdated as well. So, you know, it's not not nothing-like. 500 euro is clearly not nothing. It's 500 euros of an annual uh, tax credit. It's not enough, PJ. I mean, the the rents that people are paying, um, in Dublin, the average rent is way over 2,000 euro. Uh, Statewide, it's it's in excess of 1,400, 1,500 euros. Here in Cork, it's about 1,400, 1,500 minimum. So what would you have done for the person here in Cork? 
for renters. Yeah. Uh, as as I have said, it, renters would be entitled to a refundable tax credit that would put one month's rent back into your pocket. So that brings your bill down and a ban on any rent increase for three years. That's what needs to happen. The two things... So everybody's refund would be different. Or else they, it doesn't work. Everybody's refund would be different. Exactly. Which is almost impossible to manage from a revenue point of view, isn't it? No, it's not. Refundable tax credits are part and parcel of the revenue toolkit. It's it's entirely um, uh, easy to administrate. It's a straightforward ask of revenue. Revenue do their job. The government makes the decisions. Revenue, as we all know, um, do theirs and, and do it very, very, very efficiently. So no, there's no reason for not doing this except an absolute lack of political will. And I have to say to you, um, it, it seems to me that in a number of areas, the government have been listening to what Sinn Féin is saying, and they're trying to be clever now in kind of borrowing the policies, but not doing them properly. And the real problem in terms of rent mm. is that what this means is that your 500 credit given to the renter could very well and very quickly translate into a hike in rental prices. And that's the worst possible outcome mm. for anybody in the, in the rental market. So we'll be raising this issue again today. Pascal Donoghue, lastly, and I know your time is short, Pascal Donoghue was making sure. the point last night that everything that has to do has to be economically feasible and that some of what Sinn Féin was proposing, he put this to Pierce Doherty on prime time, was just not economically feasible. Lastly on that one. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear uh, a, a government minister uh, level that accusation. I mean, the, the fact is there was, as, as you acknowledged at the beginning of this conversation, a, a huge uh, resource available to the state, to the government. And the question then is, how do you best marshal that resource in a way that gives, for, for our for, from our point of view, support, breathing space, but also some level of certainty to, to the win- through the winter to families. And the truth is, uh, irrespective of what Pascal or anyone else might say, yesterday we had a housing crisis. We still have it tomorrow. Yesterday there were almost a million people on waiting lists looking for treatment. That ain't changing uh, d- tomorrow on, on the watch mm. of this government. Yesterday we had shortfalls in the, the budgets for disability, mental health, the, the, the amounts of money uh, set aside uh, were absolutely derisory. We're still facing uh, into those problems. And let me just also say on the tax package, and all of us accepted, by the way, that working people and families needed breathing, and that meant a, a tax cut. Yeah. Everybody's on that page. But it's very, very instructive how the government went about it. They Their big measure in terms of the tax band, leaves 1.8 million workers behind who who don't who mm. won't be affected by that. We had gone with a different approach, going the means of the USC, the USC which yeah. would have meant every worker getting a, a bigger bounce, and that would have been a much fairer way. So <laughs> that's where the debate is at PJ, not the quantum of money spent, but what's the, the smart way, the ambitious way, and the fair way to spend it. All right, leave it there for today. Thank you very much for being with us on the Opinion Line, leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald. Later, I will be joined by Taoiseach Michal Martin, and later again by Public Expenditure Minister uh, Michael McGrath. Uh, to discuss the government or discuss the budget from a government point of view. If you have anything you'd like me to put to them, get in touch uh, by phone or text or WhatsApp.
voice message is also welcome at 083 396 96 96. I'll speak to the Taoiseach hopefully before 10 and to Michael McGrath before midday. I'll also start going through and I'm indebted again to my friend John Lowe, the money doctor, who will join us during the morning to go through the numbers just to crunch the numbers with no political leaning here, there or anywhere just to go through the numbers from yesterday's budget but first we're going to talk about the Siggies they went up 50 cents a pack and some people are not happy next The Cork Diary on Cork's 96 FM The Cork Diary is a free service so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary with Tusla Fostering now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and Respite Fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. One group that were not happy was Smokers. 50 cents on the pack of 20, which will take it up, John Mallon of Forest Air, and two, what, around nearly 16 quid for a packet of fags. Yeah, but sure, they're a pure luxury item. Good morning. Good morning. There's many things are pure luxury items, but we don't want to pay huge, unnecessary huge prices for it. I was interested, PJ, um, in your, your introduction, referring to the budget as an unprecedented 11 billion giveaway. Um, do you have any idea how much smokers pay in combined taxes every year on, on tobacco? You tell me. Well, the, the lowest year that I've seen going back in the records for 15 years was 800 million one year. The highest was 1.3 billion. But typically this year, the government will be expecting to take in a billion from smokers. That's about 10% of this giveaway. Now, who are these smokers? They're defined by um, the successive health ministers over the years as coming from the poorest quadrant in society. They are the poor people uh, in, in, in the majority. Well, do you know cases. what? You wouldn't be long getting poor, John. I'm not being smart here. But you wouldn't be long getting poor at 16 quid for a packet of cigarettes. Yeah, except that the injustice in it is that you can buy a packet of cigarettes in, on the continent of Europe for less than two euro in some countries. Uh, you can get them in Spain for as little as 6.50. Now, you know, we are disproportionate. I would have thought 16 quid a pack is a great incentive to give them up. And if you smoke 20 quid a day or 20 fags a day, God almighty, that's what? That's, ah, but sure, listen, that's 160 quid a week. That, that's not an incentive. That's force. You know, we're, we're complaining about the price of petrol. Put petrol up to about 40, 40 euro a gallon uh, on the basis that there's too much death on the roads. You know, there's all sorts of justifications you can make. Very simply put, there used to be an awful lot more smokers than, than there are uh, than, the, the, than there were non-smokers at one time in this country. People gave up willingly of their own accord. Uh, and and the, uh, the, the only time it went back up uh, was when the ban was introduced initially. Mm. But it's been going down steadily. People are making their own decision. But smoking is legal. Don't forget that. Yeah. And the government is happy to take in that billion um, every year uh, from smokers. Now, in that context, we have a right to smoke if we choose to. Now, and, and if we have the right, you can't on one side, the state, acknowledge we have a right and on the other side of it try and force us using mm. a very, very, very hard method indeed mm. uh, on the poorest in society. It's very wrong. It's, Ke- it's mor- Kevin, it's says, wrong. Kevin says this is 90 minutes work on the minimum wage for a pack of 20. Personally, I'd start phasing in a ban entirely by 2030 and I used to be a 40 a day smoker, but the time 
has come. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of love in the room, John, for what you're saying, that smokers are a hard-pressed minority. It doesn't matter whether there's a lot of love in the room or not. It's simple fact. Uh, there's not an awful lot of love for many facts, PJ. Smokers are being targeted. Now, you, you know, they're saying it's a health uh, initiative. Yeah. Uh, well, if the government cared about our health, we'd have a functioning health service, number one. But uh, the, the alcohol hasn't been touched in this budget or the last, because obviously there's no health implications of it. Um, I, I, I can't understand the rationale that, t- that sections out one, one part of the community, the, the people with the, the least voice, mm-hmm. uh, the poorest in community. I, I don't smoke myself. But I, I'm not whoa, calling whoa, 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 hold on a second. Hang on a cotton pick minute here. Yeah. Right? So that's like a Fianna Fowler speaking out about Sinn Féin, or speaking on behalf of Sinn Féin policy. No, you know, you're, you're a non-smoker talking uh, about listen, smoking. PJ, I don't have to be a woman to, to defend women's rights, you know. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I did smoke for 49 years and Good enjoyed man. it. I gave them and up. Why did, you, why did you give them up? I just for my own reasons, my own personal reasons. Would the cost anything to do with it? Sorry? Was the cost anything to do with it? No, I, I funnily enough, I'd never got a cough until after I quit. The cost, I said. The cost, <laughs> cost, cost. I know, I never did. Uh, but when I quit, I got a cough all right for a while. But that, that's not the issue. But if you have the right to smoke, um, that, that, then, then you should be allowed to smoke. And, and, and trying to say, on the one hand, we'll give you the right, but we'll, we, we'll price them out of your reach, uh, yeah. is not a right. Yeah. Now, but you have, right to drive, you have a right to drive or put a limit on your speed, do you know? Uh, no, 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 no. That's a that, that, that's that's a fallacious uh, analogy. Uh, the, the the one thing that this will I'm do, able to drive at 150 miles an hour on the motorway, but I'm not allowed. Yeah, but there's all sorts of restrictions on smoking as well. That's nonsense, PJ. But <laughs> but you know, the one thing that price increases always do uh, is cheer up the, the the criminal classes who are involved in either manufacturing tobacco and cigarettes in this country uh, or importing it. Uh, if, if you can go down with uh, 10 million quid to, to, to Croatia and buy them probably for, for a euro each a pack in bulk uh, and ship them back up here into Dundalk or somewhere or into oh. Northern Ireland um, you've got a glorious market here and, and you know through the great oh, I was all, look I was only in Tenerife on my holidays I've never smoked in my life we've discussed this before if you gave me a cigarette and a box of matches I wouldn't know where to actually start and that's a fact it's just where I am in life but I looked at the cost of it over in, say, Tenerife on the holidays. It's a third of what it is here. I get that point. It's, it's economically very difficult, John Mallon, and 50 cents more since mid, that's going to make it even more so. Yeah, and unnecessarily so. The people will quit when they choose to quit. And funnily enough, uh, the people that do quit, including myself, uh, chose uh, e-cigarettes. And the reason why is because they emulate they emulate mm. the act of smoking. Apart altogether from nicotine, there's e-cigarettes coming now without nicotine. That's you right. can specify That's right. you don't That's want right. them. Um, but they emulate the, the, the act of smoking, so they're a great way to, to ease down and to quit them altogether. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that have actually that have actually done that as well over the last number of years. John, I'm gonna leave it there. Thank you very much, John Mellon of Forest Aaron. Smokers not at all happy. 50 cents gone on the pack of 20. And I think it happened at midnight. So they're about 15.80 for a premium pack and 13.80. 16 quid and 14 quid for an average pack. Your thoughts on that? At 0818-96-96-96. We have one smoker on our floor here. Um, and I know he would be... I imagine he ex- accepts John Mellon's argument... Um, but I don't know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 
Uh, well, four smokers. I like that. But there are many smokers on this floor. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, 0818969696. To Jed Nash of the Labour Party. Jed, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on this morning. Good. Jed, what would you have done differently? 11 billion, a lot of money to spend. What would you have done differently? It is a lot of money, and um, I'm sure you'll have government representatives uh, on this morning getting it, giddy with excitement, especially about the 4.1 billion euro package that we're going to see spent over the next couple of months between now and Christmas. But when the dust settles on that, PJ, we, we'll, we'll, we'll soon know, and if you look under the bonnet of Budget 2023 itself, the cupboard is quite bare. Um, the reality is that well, people might receive lump sum payments to help them through this part of the autumn and winter. When it gets to the new year, the reality will soon dawn on people that a 12 euro increase in core social welfare rates isn't going to stretch too far, especially when that's not keeping up with the ever rising cost of practically everything you put in your shopping basket and the problems you'll have heating your home. Also, we have a big problem with the inequitable way in which the tax cut was introduced. I mean, for example, somebody at 100,000 euro uh, ends up with 831 more on their pay packet next year compared to somebody who has, you know, is on between 25 and 35,000 euros and that comes in at 191 uh, euros. Now, there's ways of doing tax cuts where you can, for example, claw back, uh, uh, you know, any significant uh, improvement that might be experienced by somebody who's better off to balance things out. And they chose not to do that. So we were basically saying this is not as targeted as it might be, especially when it comes to budget 2023 itself. A lot of focus on the 4.1 billion euro package, and that is absolutely understandable. And people need assistance. And many of the things that we've been asking for, double uh, social welfare benefit payment, a double child benefit payment, um, all of those things have been included. But we would prefer uh, if next year's uh, support mechanisms were much more targeted, that there was a 20 euro increase, for example, in social welfare rates, that would help keep uh, pace with the rate of inflation. Because in yeah. real terms, income yeah, 12 quid up. is not what campaigners wanted, to be fair. They wanted at least 15, some 17, some 20. Look at the tax change, though, Jed, on the standard rate of tax up to the, the change now. You don't go on the high rate now until 40,000 euro. That's going to take a lot of people on the average industrial wage virtually take them out of the tax bracket. That can't be a bad thing. Well, you know, we, we, we can talk, I don't want to lose listeners by talking about the average industrial wage and the median. The median point is is, is, is really, really important in, in this regard, and that's the midpoint in terms of people's pay. And actually, if you look at how this is going to work in practice, there's about so over 2 million what they call tax units in this country, so working people who are paying income tax. And in reality, when you... Pull the curtain back here and have a proper look at this. Uh, this will only apply to actually 23% uh, of all taxpayers, all income taxpayers mm. in this country. And that's an extraordinary set of circumstances. I mean, 1.2 million people won't benefit at all. And actually, the only benefit for some at the lower end of the income distribution will be some kind of minor adjustments to USC and PRSI. Yeah. Uh, because when you increase the national minimum wage, you don't want people paying no, you additional. Have to, you have to increase uh, the USC with it. And you're right, yeah, that, yeah, that, you, that, that travels up the line. And, and, and so the, someone the on the 100 grand also benefits from that change. 
Well, they do, and this is the point. I mean, what you could do, for example, is something that we managed to do in 2015, and there are always compromises in coalition. And I was actually on another programme last night with a Green Party TD who said the tax cut was straight out of the Fine Gael playbook. It disproportionately benefits the better off. And in reality, when you look at this, what you should be doing, actually, and that's the hallmark for progressive taxes, and we have a progressive tax system, the more that you, 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 you earn, the more that you pay, but there, there can be issues, and issues that will be thrown up from this will be, as I pointed out, people who are on €100,000 will be uh, taking home €831 Euro more and somebody between 25 and 35. So what would you have done with that then? Or how would so you have addressed... You is, I, I, time is I'll short, Jen. How would you have you focused on that issue? I'll tell you how you do this. What, what, what you do is you actually roll away, you roll back tax credits for people who are earning over €100,000. That's what you do. You introduce countervailing measures to um, to claw some of that money back. Uh, for example, in 2015, the um, 40... What was it? 41%. High rate, highest rate of tax came down to forty percent. That was obviously going to disproportionately benefit the better off. And what we did then was add a couple of percentage points onto the USC for people who are earning over sixty thousand euro to make sure that this was targeted at people who are actually earning between, um, you know, thirty five thousand and and fifty or sixty thousand euro. The people who are in the middle who often find it very difficult. And don't so, actually so, but, but that that kind of says, Jed, you know, to someone who is lucky enough to earn a good wage, and I class myself in that bracket. I'm I'm lucky enough and grateful to earn a good wage but that kind of says to me in the middle of a, an economic crisis you're a shag off you're fine not at all um, that's what it says w- w- no, no the, the, the two ways of, of cutting costs um, what you can do is the uh, way that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil often prefer and that's to, to cut tax but you narrow the tax base then and you have more limited resources to invest in the kind of services on which we all depend our focus would have um, predominantly um, uh, identified ways of cutting costs for people. The real costs that really are bugbears for people and the idea that, you know, childcare in this country is one of the most expensive systems in the world. There's some improvements made yesterday, but what we had proposed was that... There's a number of them actually, there's a number of improvements yesterday. Yeah, yeah, there, there have been, and I would be churlish not to acknowledge that. But, and here's the point, um, this was one of these budgets, it was, a, it was a late, late show budget, one for every everyone in the audience, and when you spread that money, that finite resource that we have very, very thinly, uh, the impact then gets diminished. What we would have done is focus our attention, for example, on capping childcare costs at €200 Euro per child per month. That would be a radical measure and bring us into line with some of the countries we like to compare ourselves against. We're a rich country, we can do that. And what that would do as well is make sure that more people are enabled to go out uh, and, 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 and work and, and fulfil their, their career ambitions for themselves because we have a lot of people who are making decisions in my own constituency. So you're capping the co- you're going to cap the cost of childcare. You'd cap the cost of childcare. You'd cap the cost of childcare, which would be great for the parent. At a cost of 275 million yeah, euros. But, yeah. but, 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 the cost of providing it is still the same. It is, and, 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 and thankfully, um, one of the issues, and this, this was raised uh, over the last period of time when there's been you know, talk across society about what we do to actually better address the, the, the enormous childcare costs for people. Retention in the childcare sector and the early years sector is, is, is a significant challenge. And there are new wage setting mechanisms introduced new um, statutory minimum rates of pay for qualified child for childcare professionals that will help retain good people in the system and attract new people in. So um, retention has been an issue. Yeah. We don't believe that that will any longer be the kind of issue that was given that the direction of travel in terms of resourcing childcare providers and the state are providing core funding to help meet, meet, yeah, you, meet those you're not You're not answering my question. The cost of providing childcare, Jed, <clears throat> is going to remain the same. 
if you cap the cost I'm, I'm, of buying yeah, it at 200 you might misunderstand what you might misunderstand what I'm saying. There's huge state investment in terms of supporting the wages uh, of early years uh, education professionals. That was part of the deal done in the Labour Court. Yeah. That government, but, the taxpayer, but there are small, bi- the, uh, small childcare businesses child closing provider. all over the country. Well, well, there are some of the smaller ones, yeah, and there are. There's no doubt about it. There are improvements that could be made to to that model, uh, but this is a work in progress. The point is that we need to paint a picture of an Ireland that works for people, uh, and we're ambitious for Ireland, and that's what we're trying to do. Saying, listen, let's not focus on tax cuts that can often disproportionately benefit the better off if you're not putting in countervailing measures mm. to pull some of that back for those who who are who are doing their best. That's the mark of a fair society, mm. and use the resources we have, for example, to invest in free GP care. The cost, cutting the cost, that really are bugbears for people you know we know too many people I represent them who just find it very difficult at the end of the month to make that decision between look if I've got a sick child do I have the 60 euro to take them to the doctor or not or, or do I, or do I fill, 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 fill the trolley you know and they're decisions that people shouldn't have to make Indeed they are Okay Jed thank you Jed Nash uh, finance spokesman of the Labour Party 0818969696 uh, listening to your show regarding smoking it was mentioned cigarettes are a luxury item but alcohol's also a luxury this wasn't increased I, I can't take that argument from you it's a fact caller says smoking is a luxury I'm a smoker I think if my smoking funds those in need then that's okay 0818969696 right let me go to on Taoiseach Michal Martin who joins us from Leinster House Taoiseach good morning good morning PJ never in my time has a government had 11 billion euro to spend on budget day the argument coming from the opposition benches Michal is that you spread it out too thinly you didn't focus on those who need it most answer that no, that's not the case. Um, and in fact, if you look at the distributional effects of the budget um, and the, by using the SRI switch model, uh, the budget is found to be strongly progressive. In other words, it's fair. Uh, and those who need it the most get the most uh, from the budget. Uh, and the net disposable income of the lowest income households uh, will go up uh, compared with those on the highest income households and uh, by, by about 5% compared to 0.7%. So there's no argument in terms of... Well, well let's, make, lowest, let's make uh, an argument, Taoiseach, because someone on no, a salary of 30,000, somebody on a salary of 30,000, which I'm sure you agree is, isn't great, they get an extra 190 from these tax positions. Someone, or changes rather, someone on a, on a salary of 90,000, three times that amount... They're going to save 830. That's disproportionate, surely. You're just looking at the tax on its own. I mean, you asked me about the budget as a whole, and the budget as a whole, as determined by independent uh, analysts, is saying that those on the lowest incomes benefit the most from the budget, from all of the measures in the budget, by a significant amount. The, la- the lowest three income uh, decides, as they call it, groups, um, benefit the most compared to the, 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 the top cohorts of people on, on, on higher incomes. Uh, that, 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 that is the position coming out of the core budget 23 package. Uh, it will boost the net, net disposable income of the lowest income households much more than the highest income households. And that takes into account a whole range of measures from the social welfare code uh, right across to the energy credit to, to um, also to the rent, renter's credit and a whole range of other uh, initiatives that have been taken in education and in healthcare. Because 
because the budget does three things. It invests in public services, it reduces the costs in education, reduces the costs in childcare, reduces the costs in health uh, quite significantly for a lot of people. Um, and you, you, you add in the different payments in terms of children and so on in the budget. That's why you get, uh, that, that's why those who are on the lowest incomes get the most out of this budget. This is the in the round argument, I suppose, which you've been making and your minister and colleagues have been making since yesterday. On energy, why not cap it like they've done in France, like they've done in Britain, like they're considering in many countries across Europe? Why not cap the prices? Well, again, um, we don't believe in a blank check to energy providers. Uh, and we believe in gi- giving money into people's pockets, uh, and, and 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 we will reduce the bills. I mean, we are reducing the bills through the energy credit um, approach, uh, and that will help everybody. Uh, we have an outlier then. If the French are doing it, the British are doing it. Well, There's others across Europe looking at it. Look, look what's happening in the UK. Um, there are some very serious issues there um, uh, arising out of measures taken, and we we don't want to gamble. The people's money seems to be okay in France, though. On on on, on measures of that kind, France is in a much different position to Ireland in terms of its energy mix, in terms of nuclear plants and so on yeah. that are owned by the state. Um, well, it bought again, it bought ERF, didn't it? Well, I think what we are doing is we're reducing the bills for people, while at the same time, and it needs to be a combined uh, yeah, approach. Yeah, but I mean, reducing the bills, teacher, at a time when they're still going up, like t- two hundred quid is welcome, and there's no one going to say it's not. Absolutely, and, yeah. and you know, I'll benefit from it like everybody else. And and we're grateful for that. But 200, 200 euro is, is going to be welcome. But if that bill does as it could do, double and treble between now and next April, and nobody knows whether it will or not, that 200 sure is no good to anybody. Well, it's 600 between now and April. It's I know that. But we are, there is a war in, uh, on Ukraine and there's a war on the continent of Europe. And we can't pretend to people that there's no war. Uh, I mean, the opposition are suggesting that we go back to pre-20, pre-crisis levels of pricing. That's creating an illusion. I mean, the war is creating a desperate impact on energy prices. That's a reality. So how do we deal with that? We deal with that by reducing electricity bills, by giving people additional funds and resources to try and deal with it, whilst at the same time getting energy demand down. If we were to pretend that there's no impact from the war and just keep using the same amount of energy, that would be living an illusion as well. So we've got to balance this out Mm -hmm. in terms of giving uh, resources to people to deal with this, making the cost of public services cheaper, which I think, you know, free school transport this year, free school books for primary school children next year, a lot of money to schools before the end of the year to deal with capitation, to deal with energy costs. I think it's a more measured approach, it's a more realistic approach, and it allows us to make sure that we have resources for the entirety of 2023, yes, given the, the fact that this the, war the, could carry on. There will know. be reserves there, and I know I've been hearing um, Michael McGrath talking about that since, since yesterday. Just on the subject of people, though, who have to deal with home heating oil and other such things, like they are skyrocketing to, and there's nothing there for people on home heating oil, Taoiseach. Well, there is in terms of the the whole range of interventions that we're taking in terms of, we've mentioned energy credits, you have the fuel allowance, um, you have the tax reductions, um, you have the reduction in costs that people ordinarily would have. You know, there's very significant payments between now and the end of the year in terms of, 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 of disability, the cost of disability payment. Uh, those on low incomes, for example, will get, will get um, a, a major lump sum payment as well between now and the end of the year. So there are measures there to try and get people through this winter in particular. Mm, but the oil is still colossally expensive. It's it double is, what it, is, it's double well, what it mean, was and there's nothing being done about it. Like. Look, the cost of energy has gone, has gone through the roof. Couldn't you knock the vat uh, off it like you knocked it off other things? Sorry? Could you knock the vat off home heating oil like you did on other things? No, we, we, we're at the length of what we... Oh, sorry, we're at the... 
limit of what we can do in terms of home eating oil. Uh, we have reduced the, the, the NORA levy. We've done a whole range of things on excise duty. We're extending all of that uh, right into the new year now, uh, that, that which, we, which we brought in last year, uh, which has a significant cost element to it as well. Um, okay. But again, um, you know, there's a lot of payments going up between now and the end of the year to help people deal with the increased and I think they're, they're, they're of oil, the increased cost to of gas and electricity and so on like one, that. One thing that comes up every year, why did some things happen at midnight and why don't other things happen until the 1st of January, Teacher? Well, in some instances, it relates to tax and to, to avoid speculation, exploitation, uh, and so on. So it has to be done very almost immediately um, in, in terms of the taxation side of it or excise duties um, and, and, and so forth. So resolutions have to go before the House to make sure that there's no... Um, exploitation of, of, of the situation uh, and, and that's important Why are carers still subject to a arduous means test and why are they not allowed to have the fuel allowance? Well, again, um, we have given um, additional lump payments to, to, to carers. I mean, progressively, we've been that's increasing... Not the, the, that's not the question I asked you, I know, we, but No, we've been progressively increasing the thresholds around the means test, but we're not in a position... Still arduous. To, we're not in a position to eliminate it. Why not? In terms of, because we don't have resources to do that in its entirety. We have to deal with a whole range of uh, groups of, of uh, um, across... Why can't they get the, the fuel allowance? Code. Um, because, well, the, the, quite a number will be able to get the fuel allowance with the increase in income. Um, eligibility that's quite significant this year in terms of the extension of the fuel allowance um, and we've extended it significantly for those over 70 as well mm-hmm. um, and, uh, which will uh, bring a lot more people within the fuel allowance um, than there would have been the case prior to this budget. Renters and the 500 euro tax credit again uh, one of the highlights but how will people get it? How will they apply for it? Well, I mean, you'll get, uh, be done with revenue. I mean, you, there's one thousand actually uh, will be will be the um, renters' credit, uh, and that will be administered by revenue by the Department of Finance. And people obviously will be will, will be registered with the RTB, um, and um, they, they will get their credit. When will the crash sub the crash increase the increase in the crash subsidy? When does that kick in? Well, it will kick in. Uh, I don't have the exact dates here with me, PJ, in terms of, of of that kicking in, but that will be announced by the Minister for Children um, later. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, it is obviously for the next year. People working full-time on the minimum wage don't appear to have done a whole lot or gotten a whole lot out of this. Well, I, I, again, I wouldn't agree. I mean, if you add up, you're looking at energy, the energy credit everybody gets. If you, if you, the child benefit has been, um, you know, there's a double payment on that. Um, and again, uh, look, it depends on people's circumstances, but there's a whole range of measures that will help people. Um, as I say, the reduction of all hospital inpatient charges being abolished, for example, the free rental, the free, sorry, primary school books from next September onwards. These are all built in reduction of costs for public services. This is the in the round argument that we've been hearing I mean, since you, last evening. Well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's important. I mean, people, at third level will have their fees reduced by a thousand this year for this academic year one thousand euros less immediately um, yeah well, what about yeah. people who have already paid it can they claim that they'll back get the, they'll get that back okay. they'll get that back and then next year it's a 500 permanent reduction in, in third level fees and then in, on the student grant there's a double payment between now and Christmas uh, for those who are entitled to the Susie grant um, and so there's a lot of measures there for people who and again it depends on people's circumstances um, as, as I said the reduction in excise duties and VAT and electricity that continues right yeah. now to the end of February 
Um, there's a, the, the help to buy scheme will continue at current rates. Um, so there's a lot there. There is. Uh, people who are eligible for uh, social council housing, uh, Michal, they can benefit then from a windfall in the budget that takes them out of eligibility. Can we do something about that? And also, John wants us to know, can you ask local authorities to freeze rents and to link a rise in the thresholds so the people who are eligible don't get knocked off the list because of a windfall in the budget? Can that be done? I think on the income threshold for qualification for social housing, uh, that, that is something that's been actively examined by the Minister for Housing now, and uh, I hope that we'll have an outcome of that fairly shortly in terms of the income thresholds for those uh, seeking local authority housing. Um, that, that's something that we're anxious to do. Um, and in terms of the, the rent differential, you know, the rents are um, fixed in relation to people's incomes uh, at local authority level. So mm. there is a fair system there. Um, and um, uh, but as I said, but we've also um, improved the working family payment threshold for those on low incomes as well. So mm. hopefully, uh, but I think we don't want people to take your point to to lose out on existing um, benefits as a result of their incomes going up uh, because of the budget. Okay. Uh, and like there's other measures that are important. The increase in the domiciliary care allowance is up by about 20 euros. Um, so we are endeavouring to target quite a okay. number of the social welfare mechanisms okay. um, to, to, to reduce people, uh, the pressure that are on a lot of people on low incomes. Yeah. Lastly and briefly, Michal Martin, when you retired to bed last night with your day's work done, were you happy with your day's work? Did you think you'd done enough for everybody that needed it? I think we got the balance right. One cannot be happy in the current climate in the sense that there is huge pressure on people and we recognise that. I mean, this is a very uncertain world we are living in um, and this war is getting nastier and nastier by the look of things. It's having a very damaging effect on economies across Europe. Uh, we can see what's, what's happening in countries nearby uh, in terms of pressures as well brought about by all of this. So uh, I'm very, very conscious of the pressures that people are under and what we're trying to do here is to make sure that we can do what we can with the resources that we have to get through this winter and assess it at the end of this winter then uh, in terms of how we deal uh, with the future. Teacher, thank you for your time this morning. Uh, Michal Martin on the opinion line. We have lots of more questions that have come in for the Taoiseach. We will be talking later, before the end of the show, with Michael McGrath, and we'll move those questions on to him. You've currently matched your previous score of 9 out of 10. The question I asked you was, Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. You've just won yourself 2,000 euros! Oh my god, I don't believe it. Liam! What? Oh my god. I guess. What are you going to do with the money now? Drop it easy? Uh, drop it easy, yeah, no, I don't know. I have to spend it. Another winner, there you go, go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, any of your questions that came in for Micheal Martin and in the limited time we were allocated with them, we got as many as possible to the Taoiseach live on the opinion line. Any that we're holding over, we will put 
to uh, Public Affair, Public Expenditure Minister Michael McGrath before the end of the show. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text to WhatsApp, and indeed your voice messages welcome at 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Again, the money doctor, John Lowe, will also join me during the morning. And John as he always does, has been compiling his own analysis of the figures and he sent us a document at uh, midnight last night and we're grateful to John for his analysis. He went through the highlights of all the various parts of the budget as well as that your newspapers are full of various different supplements and panels and tables. You you can spend the day with them. Uh, And people are, I think... Um, sort of putting together in their minds now where they stand after the budget. Jackie, morning. Morning, PJ. Your thoughts? I'm very disappointed, to be honest. Um, they, put the, they put the cigarettes up to midnight. But yes, the, the social welfare increase is for January. Yeah. You know? So he was saying that they have to be careful and all that. Should they have to be careful about who's going to be putting up the cigarettes too, you know? And who's going to be selling them under the counter? Yeah, you know, um, I'm. There's no living alone. Gone up. Okay, we're getting a one-off payment, and it's the same with the fuel. That's not gone up. We're getting a one-off payment. But when that, when you break that down over twelve months, it's very different. Will you not get the you know? three credits though? Oh, I'll get the three credits, but I have. I'm all electric, and I rent, and it's a private rental thing. I'm on rent loans, and there's no increase in the rent loans I have. So, and I'm all electric where I am, so it eats it in the winter. Will you get a tax credit for your rent? No, because I'm on rent loans. Okay. You're sure that doesn't apply? No, it doesn't. I'm after. Don't worry, I looked into it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. So overall, will you be better or worse off? I'll be the same. Be the same? The same. Well, I'll be a bit worse off because the cigarettes are gone up. They're my one luxury. They're just an expensive luxury, Jack. Yeah, I'm a lot of So, do you smoke many? Well, say twenty a day, like twenty a day, hundred and sixty, yeah. hundred and sixty notes a week. Yeah, well, no, I might want to thirteen, eighteen them. All right, okay. you know. So, I've everything broken down. When it all boils down to is a thirty euro a week over twelve months. Yeah, okay. you know that's very very different. Okay. All right. You know, thanks, Th- Peter. Thanks for that. Taking some quick calls from listeners on the opinion line, Kevin. Morning. This was one that they dropped in and I said, what the hell? You noticed it too. There was a few nuggets that they dropped in yesterday, but that one came out of nowhere. I mean, the one about the GPs that they didn't have a clue about was one. That was crazy. But the the one about the 10% levy on blocks, Mm. you know, in the middle of a housing crisis, and you want to encourage builders to build, and the cost of building materials alone are crazy at the minute. Anyone will tell you if you're buying wood, you know, oh, it, 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 it's it's the, yeah, it's through the roof. So if you can't buy and build timber framed houses because of the cost of wood, you're reverting back to blocks, and you're putting a ten percent levy on blocks to pay for the pyrite stuff. It's okay. I understand why they did it. Don't get me wrong, I do. Uh, it's a legitimate reason why the money is needed, but to slip that right in at the end, it, it's a bit off putting to me. I mean. Look, for for me, the budget yesterday is standing still. You know better, you know worse off. But I think that's the case for the vast majority of people and with most budgets over the years. Did you get a chance to sit down and do your numbers last evening, Kev? I did, yeah. And, I mean, look, when you add everything up, I'm probably... 
I'm praying that the energy companies don't look at this rise and look at the gap that, look, the rest of Europe are putting caps on. Ireland isn't. We'll hike our prices up to, to Ireland and we'll cash in that way. I mean, the government are going to be creaming the, the, VAT, the, extra, the excess VAT off the high energy prices as it is. Three, I thought it would have made more sense to cap the standing charges that we're paying rather than usage. Mm. At least that way, because I notice the, the the standing charges that are going up. Everyone oh, yeah. is doing doing their bits and bobs to try to re, you know to try to use as little energy as possible. But if the standing charges keep going up, you're you know you, you're doing the proverbial against the wind yeah. because you know you're you're doing your. But you had a call yesterday from a, a couple saying that they were being they had a letter saying you're not using enough. That's right. That's right. You it's know, it's buried mean, in some people's contracts that yeah. in order to maintain the price level you're at, you need to use a certain amount of energy. Yeah. That's, no. That was in gas years ago. I'm not too sure about the electric. I was talking to earlier on about the, the analysis that Bonkers.ie did yeah. about about capping. And they say over, tw- over 12 months it could cost you $10 billion. Then you have I, no money for anything else. I'd be, yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. You know, I'd, uh, there's no way that our energy bills have gone up as a country by 10 billion in a space of 12 months. And that would assume that the cap, the price that you set at the cap is at uh, a rate where the price of energy, you remember going back during COVID when the price of everything, heating oil, everything was through the floor. That's right. If that's where they're basing their figure on it, that at that base figure, then I could understand it. But if you're freezing, say, a price as what they were on the 1st of August, for the next six months. I can't see how that 10 billion figure would stand up. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Kev. And the, the concrete levy, that's one of the ones. I actually was sitting there doing some notes up for today and I had that, one second, right? It's a, a levy on concrete. That man says building material should not have been touched and wood, oh dear God, wood. I was only thinking, looking out at the end of the season at my old deck out the back, Costa del Deck that I love so much and spend hours there during the summer and I looked at it and said there's parts of that starting to look a bit bedraggled I might want to replace a few boards next year and I thought no lad you're getting another coat of paint and varnish and you like it because the price of timber is gone demented as well Bear Hi PJ how are you? Good. Long time no long time no chat Indeed indeed what do you want to say? Like that now, PJ, I put in the question there to you to ask the minister for me. You want to ask him, okay, about the, what's in the pinch, you know, what's in the benefits for me. Yes. I'm a widow at 62. Well, so I was a widow been. five years ago. Yes. And like that, what I get now at the moment, PJ, is two eighteen fifty a week. Okay. That'll go up anyway to 12. By 12 euro, you'll guess, do you get the fuel allowance? Nothing whatsoever. I, I do get a fuel allowance, I think. Okay, you'll get a lump yeah. sum on that. Yeah. Uh, you'll get a double payment of your pension on Halloween and a double payment for the um, Halloween time and for a Christmas yeah. bonus. Do you get a living alone allowance? I don't, love. I'm not entitled to anything like that because of my age. I see. I mean, we don't choose to be widows or widowers. Yes. And that's where it comes in. I have to be pension age. Before I can receive anything like that. Yeah, that's I unfair. Think, if you're living alone, you're living alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, where they're coming up with that. Yeah, that, there's that, younger, that's unfair. There's younger people who are, with, you know, widows like me. But I think we have a name. So we should be treated the same. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's that certainly is is one that jumps out to me as being unfair. You are it's living early. you are living yeah. alone. I am, yeah. But you're not entitled to living in all alone. I'm, no. Because of your age. Forever. Yes. Yes. Imagine being told you're a widow and you're too young. Hello. That's, you know? that, that's that that's unfortunate. It's, it's very unfair, PJ. It is, you know. And I'd be honest with you, I wouldn't have known that. I oh, would not have you? known that. No. Oh, you know it now. I look, thought you. I thought you'd have had the living alone allowance as part of being no, a widow. No, darling, no. Okay. All right. I'm too young. Right. So every day is a school day, PJ. Ain't it just? You and you know what? That's the most important thing. The day you stop learning is the day to quit. Thank you, Bear. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six two. Are we ready to go to three? Just release it there when it's ready. We are. John, I think, is up on three. Morning, John. How are things, PJ? I, I just I just rang one of the oil companies there, and I, I just wanted to know uh, why the price of kerosene, which is the home heating at the minute for domestic use, uh, hasn't followed suit according to the price of crude oil. Uh, it went up right through the right through the roof uh, when it reached uh, 100, uh, $120 a barrel. And uh, no, uh, today it's eighty eighty six dollars a barrel, and the, the, the price of heating oil didn't come down at all. But it, it did in the pumps. Uh, with, with the petrol, as you remember, it was one twenty there at one stage for a litre. Now at the minute you'd get it for one seventy one. That's right. Coming or, in, or coming in this morning. Coming in this morning, I was looking at uh, two seventy three, two seven. Or sorry, one seventy three, one seventy four. As I was coming in for the petrol. Whereas yeah. three or four months ago it was two ten, two fifteen. Two twenty, yeah, yeah, and 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 that's been coming. But the, the heating oil hasn't come down. And like I said, eighty six. And I pointed out to the the, the lady I was speaking to that uh, normally uh, the price of crude oil would determine the price of kerosene as well as the price of petrol. Yeah. And well, right, we should only be paying you no know, a thousand euros for a thousand liters of kerosene. But what would your that, normal winter fill of your oil tank, John, have cost you, say, last year? Oh, geez, I want to last year I went down to four hundred and fifty dollars for a thousand liters. Right to fill your to, to fill your tank for a thousand liters. Well, normally they go by the thousand liters. Yeah. I mean, so what would, it, fit, what would it cost you now? Uh, One thousand two hundred and forty is the is the is the is the asking price now for a thousand liters of kerosene. Wow! For, and and at one stage they, they went down to four hundred and fifty dollars for a thousand liters. And geez, I said that was fantastic. You'd be buying it then, but you must remember then it was down to thirty thirty something dollar uh, crude crude oil. Oh, went crude down oil to, went through the floor at went, one point went, and, went and, and it's gone back, come back down again. And people do, yeah. do make that point, John, all the time. Crude oil has started to stabilize and in fact begun to go down again. And yet we're still paying high prices, particularly for kerosene, home heating oil. Thank you, John. Facing into a winter, paying nearly three times as much as he was paying for his home heating oil. Thank you, John. Uh, 0818969696. I'm not joking, PJ. I don't think that lady is correct. My buddy has living alone allowance since he was 42. We'll put that to Michael. We will put that to Michael McGrath because there's a thing, if it is, and there is a lot of people out there who don't know how to claim some of what they're entitled to. I'm not saying that's Bear's case. But sometimes, and this is, this is 
going to speak in favour of the system. Some people get annoyed. Here's what? I'm going to speak in favour of the system. If you discover and you can verify that you should have been entitled to something for the last number of years, they'll give it to you. All of it. If you can prove you were entitled to it. If, if you were left out because you didn't know how to fill the paperwork in or you didn't fill it in properly. We'll also be talking to uh, John Lowe, the money doctor, and I'll put that to him too because he'll know it inside out and sideways. 0818969696. They could have done a lot more. Banks pay nothing. Vulture fund landlords pay no tax. Yet a person with one house rented out does pay tax. No caps on energy. No taxing of huge profits. Housing crisis and the levy on blocks. That makes no sense. You're right, Ashling. The levy on blocks. A lot of people agreeing with Kevin on that one. Morris, the effects will be wiped out if inflation keeps going up. Look at the price of the Sunday newspaper, for example. The issue of a fundamental widening social gap hasn't been addressed. And problem solving at the lack of services. Money doesn't always solve problems. And then I'm going to give you this one just before I go to a break. And I'm going to let it sit with you and see what you think. And I'm going to give you this without any comment of my own. I know better. One thing I notice is all these people giving out about welfare. They can afford to get their eyebrows done or their nails done. And I can't. Maybe not all of them, but quite a few of them. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Quartz 96 FM. Now, there was a lot in the budget yesterday with regard to third level education. Uh, double monthly payment of Susie. The student contribution reduced by a thousand and then reduced again next year. Income thresholds changing. Double student grant. That's third level. But for primary and secondary schools... Uh, not clear what's there at all, if anything. Seamus O'Connor from the National Principals Forum, of course, a good friend of the Opinion Line. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you this morning? Good. What's there for your sector, sir? Well, I suppose there's four headline issues. The first thing was that there was a further reduction to class size. So three years ago, pre-COVID, it was one teacher for every 28 pupils, and it's now down to one teacher for every 25. So that sounds good in theory. It should, in theory, uh, give you some extra uh, teachers into the system and so forth. The problem is there that, I mean, that is, we're still the third highest pupil-teacher ratio in Europe. Um, When you think that France is 1 to 20, Luxembourg is the best, with 1 is to 15. And, And that is the result of poor planning, as we've discussed here on the show previously, yeah. down through the years and neglect to the services. And then the second problem is, particularly in urban areas um, in, in, in where rent is high, it is quite hard to to get teachers at this point. You know, a lot of teachers are moving home because of the cost of living. But look, that is a positive, and at least it's a productive uh, step forward. In relation to SNAs, look, this time last year, when the budget came out, we discussed this, that there was a headline about 1,200 extra SNAs coming into the system, and it's equivalent this year, it's 1,194. But PJ, when you actually do the numbers on that, you have that for the sector, so half that between secondary and primary, and then you, and this is quite well documented, um, it, it actually only results in a, a lot of those SNAs go into unit classes, which yeah. is fair enough, and there's yeah. a huge need for them, that's no problem. But fundamentally, at primary level in 2021-22, between 3,200 primary schools, an additional 23 posts were, SNA posts were given. 
right? Now that's, and that's going to be the same this coming year. So if you take my school in Middleton, I have 340 girls in the mainstream setting. I have three SNAs between 340 girls. There is still no facility given to schools to apply for additional SNAs. Um, and you have to do what's called an exceptional review where the criteria is, is at best stringent. So in other words, my needs would have expedited here over the last three to four years in the mainstream setting, yet I have been given no facility since 2017 to input what my needs are, if you understand. I do. So I do. It, just it's to dispel the, the myth there that there's going to be an extra 1,200 SNAs put into schools. I mean, you know, talking to other principals, there is no principal in Ireland that says they have A, enough SNAs in their classes between special classes and schools, and then B, you know, the frustration of not being able to apply tangibly for that. Yeah, yeah. What about energy in schools, heating and lighting? Yeah, and we discussed this a few weeks ago, PJ, the National Principals Forum in particular, we were very strong calling for this. So there has been an allocation of 100 million extra to, to the Department of Education, which there's, and that the, the breakdown of that hasn't been given yet. But uh, uh, that is to be distributed between bus transform, transportation, which, as you know, was a huge problem this summer and will be next year again. And I suppose additional capitation again for the benefit of the listeners, just to say primary school children, primary schools get one euro per day per child to run a school, whereas in the secondary level, it's about two euro and 10 cent. Now, that mightn't sound like a huge difference, but it's double the budget. Um, And don't forget that again. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, Headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com without being smart, PJ. And is that what the heating and lighting has to come out of? It is, yeah, PJ. That is it. There is no designated, we'll say, source of capital for lighting and heating, source of capital for running the school maintenance-wise. It's purely a capitation grant. So in your your school, what's your heating and lighting got to come out of in terms of money? 
It is that. And I mean, last year, and as you know, I'm new to this school, but it's a very large campus. We've, we've, as I said, we've five special classes as well as 340 pupils. So you're talking between 16 and 20,000 euro to heat and light the school last year. Now, bearing in mind that included the pressure that was there for ventilating the rooms, which will come again this year. Now, I suppose in a general, con- in, in a general context, it is presumed that everybody's bill, heat, heating and lighting bills will go up by 50% this coming winter. So that means my spend is going to be closer to, you know, 26 to 30,000 euro, you know. Mm, it's just going to eat which up more of your money. Primary yeah. school books. Yes, uh, and this is a brilliant, it's a brilliant initiative and I'm delighted that it's come through. This has been available in Northern Ireland for a long time, PJ. I'm not yeah. sure if the listeners are aware of that. So a lot of schools actually, primary schools in the border regions of Donegal and Cavan and so forth, their children would have gone particularly to secondary school in the north purely for the free book scheme. I suppose, again, there's there's limited detail in how it will work. I assume the responsibility and the onus will be back on the schools to support this. But look, in fairness, from, from a perspective of supporting schools or parents at this time, I think it's a brilliant initiative so I would welcome that hugely you know. So overall uh, when you sat down to look at the numbers as applied to the school where you're now the principal, happy yeah. or not? I, I, I have to welcome the benefits in relation to there is going to be more, like there has been um, a continuation of the COVID payment in relation you know for special additional cleaning and so forth that's the first thing. I suppose the free books for my parents here in this school is a brilliant thing um, there is a, a, a designated amount of money that should come through which just, we just don't have the details in relation to lighting and heating but I suppose where I'm very disappointed and as a person as an advocate for additional needs children you know again the NCSE there's no discussion around additional funding or just or, or, or new new thought processes going into that um and in relation to as i said the sna the sna and other supports in primary schools you know here i spoke five special classes there was no discussion even though it was lobbied for budgets for let's say occupational therapists or or or, or, or slts um, speech and language therapists being allocated to schools with a campus of my size and that's huge at this point there's no forward thinking pj it's like this budget i would argue is very reactive and and and, and dealing with urgent issues today and I accept that but it's just disappointing apologies that's my school bell it's just disappointing <laughs> that there wasn't more just to prove that I am in school PJ <laughs> but um, it is just disappointing that there was no forward thinking in relation to other areas that are massive concerns here on the ground you know Alright Seamus I'll leave you go and answer the call Seamus O'Connor uh, National Principals Forum it's Middleton he's in these days good friend of the opinion line um, thank you for that yeah we can read we will come back to the budget we're going to take a little break from budget for a while but we'll come back to it because we've lots more people to talk to including uh, Public Expenditure Minister Michael McGrath and uh, Money Doctor John Lowe. Uh, we'll go through some of the questions that have come in. Elizabeth says Bear is correct and indeed Elizabeth had a quick look at the Citizens Information website with regard to Bear, and, and she is right. Um, Elizabeth, another young widow, a living alone allowance is means tested. You can get it when you're younger but it's means tested and that's why you don't always get it. Uh, for Bear, she should also apply for the household package on the Citizens Information website. I just had a quick look at that myself. The rules are strict. To get the living alone allowance, you must be 66 years or over and live alone and be on the state pension, the widows or widowers or surviving civil partners pension, uh, occupational injuries, that kind of stuff. You must be over 66. You can qualify if you're under 66 and live alone and are getting disability 
invalidity or the blind pension. So there are some T's and C's there, but Burr is right. She's quite a young widow and she's not entitled to the living alone allowance. Again, we're hearing nothing about oil. Loads of us have oil heating. Loads and loads of us have oil heating. What's being done about that? I'm a widow. I get the state pension and an army pension and I'm not entitled to the fuel allowance. They don't take into consideration what people have to pay, including loans. Hi PJ, could you explain what qualifying household means, please? I will put that to either the Minister or to John Lowe, because it's way above me. I, well, I know what it is, but trying to explain it to you would just be a waste of time for uh, <laughs> me. Um, one thing I noticed is all these people giving out about welfare, they can afford I saw that one while ago. There's loads and loads and loads and loads. I'm looking in general at the comments coming in, and I would have to say that most people believe they either get nothing out of this and will be left pretty much standing still. Some people will do all right. I don't yet, I haven't heard anyone who's going to lose out of this. Who anyone's found they're going to lose out here. But most people are saying to us, little or nothing. And I ran a poll on my Twitter overnight just asking people what they thought of the budget and I I finished that one just before 10 o'clock and of the people who voted overnight 33% said it was a good budget for them 15% said it was a bad budget for them and it won't change anything, in other words, standing still about 52% of those who voted in my Twitter poll overnight and there's been an opinion poll published this morning as well to that effect most people say that they'll either do a little better or be standing still. As I said, we'll return to Budget 2023 later this morning. Sun. Samba. A superstar. And you. Coming soon on Cork's 96 FM. Right, you won't have to worry about the budget to get yourself to see Harry Styles in Rio de Janeiro in December because it'll be all on us. Quark's 96 of M's son, Samba and Styles. Your chance to see him on tour in Rio on December the 8th. He'll head to Brazil for five nights, flights, hotels, spending money, and your tickets all covered. From next Monday, you're waiting for the hits of Harry between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. for your chance to win. What? A prize. Sun, Samba and Styles. Box 96 FM. As I say, keep your budget questions in mind. Keep them coming in because we will return to it between 11 and 12 today. And we'll have before the end of the show, John Lowe, uh, Money Doctor, and the Minister for Public Expenditure, Mike McGrath, joining us to go through the provisions of Budget 2023. I'm turn my attention to something else, though, for a little while. And it's a book called Sweet Therapy, The Joy of Baking written by Una Leonard and published by Hashed Ireland and it is literally a baking book a book of recipes for brownies and, and bars and cookies and cakes so it sounds like the kind of cookery book that should be in every house where there's a sweet tooth or a whole house full of them but there's a whole story behind this and Una Leonard joins me now Una, congratulations first of all on the book, but it, it's born out of a difficult life story of yours. Morning. 
Morning, how are you? Um, thank you very much for having me on. Born out of difficulty that started when you were quite young. Yes, it did. Um, it was, I suppose, a lot of feedback from the book already is I didn't expect to cry at a book because I, I did. I told my whole story and how um, how I got to where I am in business. And that all started years, years previous um, when I was just a teenager and I suffered very badly with um, an eating disorder. I had mental health problems. I had suicide attempts. Um, and within my recovery, and my recovery was in the kitchen when I was at home and waiting for the nurses to come and meet me and administer my medication. And I was going through a really dark period. I just found this flow and hours would pass while I was in the kitchen and I was baking and creation. And yeah, that's where it all began. Mm. What age were you when you started having problems with your eating? So I would say um, it started originally when I was in secondary school. So fifth year, sixth year in secondary school, I, I became really self-conscious towards eating in front of people. Um, so I just felt really nervous in a room or a crowd full of people. So during the day, I wouldn't eat my lunch or I wouldn't eat any food at all. But I was OK at home in the comforts of my own home. Like mom would have a lovely cooked dinner for us. And that was no problem at all. I was rushing home for that. Um, but yeah, no, I couldn't eat in front of people. One of my so you'd, eat, you'd, eat your dinner at, you'd eat your dinner at home when mom had cooked it for you? Yes, yeah. But I couldn't eat in front of people. Oh. couldn't physically take out my lunchbox and eat in front of me. And one of my teachers actually noticed that and she held me back for like 10 minutes in her classroom and we ate our lunch together. So I was okay with one-on-one -on -one in a comfortable situation. But when I was in front of loads of people, I was yeah. going through my my head, was thinking of what other people were thinking of me as I was eating. Wow, that must have been hard. Mm. Hard to it understand was. that you could go home and eat your mummy's dinner, but you couldn't... Yeah. You couldn't eat in front of anybody else, your school friends, your sports friends, nobody. Yeah. That's very hard Nothing, to understand. Yeah. That was strange. Yeah, no, did, did you ever get to the bottom of Did you ever get to the bottom of that? Yeah, it was years later. It was like when we start when I started doing therapy only like a couple of years ago to try and like come to terms with everything that had happened, it was only then that I realised that it was a problem and that was actually where it started. I didn't, I would have said it would have started when I was bulimic and anorexia. But when we went to therapy, it was like, you no, know, that started in school when you started having that association with food and people and you couldn't eat in front of people. Wow. And you had to quit your, your dream job. I mean, anybody who's interested in cooking and baking and stuff, working for, for Nevin Maguire, they don't come much better than that, but you had to quit. Yeah, no. So that was, yeah, that was another thing. Quit, um, like that that whole scenario when I was in Black Line and working with Nevin Maguire, like they were amazing. I know I keep saying it, but like they were phenomenal. And if I wanted to stay up there a little bit longer, they would have definitely kept me and looked after me. Um, but I did, at the time, my mom had to actually come up and stay with me because I was in a really, really dark place. And I was just after my second suicide attempt when I got back going and that was, I was getting back into the kitchens at that stage. Um but I, I needed to take the time and come home and heal and recover and try and figure out what I was going to do and spend all the time at home with the people that I was comfortable with. Listening to you now, you're so lively and, and full of vim and vigour here on the end of my line. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine you so low. That I'm, yeah. A lot of people don't, though, because at that time it was probably a three, four, four year period, I would say. And like I was getting up and going camogie training. I was getting up, going to college. I was uh, going to work. Absolutely loved going to work. That never changed throughout. I looked like a happy person on the outside. 
like completely like a normal person. Like there's even people that I would know through school and everything. They're like, I can't believe you went through this. And I'm like, I can't really believe it myself because when I look back on that girl now, I'm like, I don't know her. I can't really relate to her, but I can still feel it when I talk about it. And I, I know it's my foundations of who I am now, but I'm just so a million miles away from that girl now. Yeah. And you look, when you look back at her, do you know why she became that way? There was triggers there, and there was um, a lot of change going on in my life at the time. And we did look at that. So like um, at the time, the transition from secondary school into college, I struggled with that big time. I was, I'm, I'm definitely a mommy's girl because I missed the routine of getting up in the morning and having the breakfast ready for you and coming home in the evening, the dinner's ready for you. Then you're off to camogie training or you're doing whatever you have your activities on. When I left that and went to Galway, I was pursuing something I really wanted to do. I was studying culinary arts and my God, was I excited to get down to Galway and have that college life. But it, it didn't work for me like that. I wasn't able for the routine, the change in routine and the schedule and actually having to look after everything yourself. And my granny then had passed away um, and she lived at home with us and I did not know how to cope with grief. I like that was that was my last um, fall. I, I like I was holding on for so long. And then when granny passed away, I just couldn't hold on any longer. And that's when I plunged into a deeper depression um, which would have led to the suicide attempts. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's it's that age. It's that you don't know, like I, you don't know how to process so much change and it all happens so quickly. Mm. And for me, I, I couldn't. It was a frightening time in your life that everything was okay at home with mommy. Yeah. And then breakfast and dinner. Fun. Was it frightening that you could, yeah. did it come to a point, because it sounds like it did, that you almost were afraid to go outside the door? Oh, no, I didn't. Like there was times, but that wasn't frightening. It wasn't that I was afraid to, it was, it was more, I was so numb. I didn't even realise um, how it was affecting the people around me. Like I was numb. I didn't want people to see me. I didn't want people to notice me. I just wanted to fade away into the corner. Like I like, it's very hard to explain if you've never been in the scenario of how how wrong you've. Like there's no feelings. Like it's only when I was looking back and I was talking to my mom and my sisters afterwards. They were like, you know, mom used to send us a message out at the every at the end of every single day and say we got through another day, all is okay. Yeah. And like my sister used to say to me, she was like, you know, I didn't know if I was going to come home from college to my sister's funeral or if I was coming home to see everybody at home. But I didn't see that then. I was in my own little dark bubble of just nobody, I didn't want anyone to notice me or see me or talk to me. Or It's hard to explain. You don't, you don't have feelings. Yeah. You can, it, it, it really is the definition of something that a person said to me a long time ago in a similar conversation, Una. You can be surrounded by people who love you and care for you, and yet you can be very, very alone. Oh, very alone. Yeah, yeah. Is that how you yeah. felt? That is, that is exactly how it is. That is, you're ju- but you, in that moment, you don't feel alone. Like, there's no loneliness. You just, it, for me, it was numbness. Right. It's, it's, there's nothing. There's not, you're not hanging on to anything. Like there's no, there's no good or bad. It's just numb. It's the Mm. best way I can describe it. It's like you're just in a hole with nothing. 
How did baking start and how did baking start to dig you out of that? Yeah, so <laughs> this is where it all changes. So I was at home and I was just after getting out of rehab and I was getting, uh, the nurses were coming to my house and they were administrating my medication and looking after my family and we were all kind of getting through all of this, the, the difficult period. And my little nephew um, lived at home with us as well and my sister. So he was only two and he was turning three and oh, he was the cute little thing. Still, it's very cute. But he came up to me with a John Deere tractor and he insisted that I was going to make him a John Deere cake for his birthday. <laughs> now, I couldn't make cakes at that stage. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Oh, so he just comes up with, oh, so you, I thought you were already <laughs> baking and he said, do you I was baking scones and like I was hoping for the best to turn out okay. Like I wasn't that great. So I just, that was like probably about, a month, maybe two months before his birthday. So what I done is I actually got it into my head that I was going to make this cake and that was it. I was going to make this cake for this boy. So I was researching it on YouTube. I was looking at magazines. I was looking at everything to do with cake decorating and cake and baking and how to form this cake um, and not having a clue of what even fondant was. So yeah, that was it. I started like testing out some bakes in the kitchen and working on my buttercream recipe and like I'd done a little trial run of it, which looked absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but yeah, it turned out okay. It turned out all right in the end. And, and was it, you weren't long into it when you realised, I think, this this is therapeutic. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, hours and hours, hours. and hours would pass. Yeah, and I'd be in the kitchen in this flow and in this state of not knowing, like take myself completely away from the dark place I was in. I was just in this meditated flow in the kitchen and I was, I, I won't say I was happy, but I wasn't sad. And it was, to you were hanging on to that time and that um, you were getting away from the darkness for them couple of hours that you were in the kitchen. And, and how important away. then, Una, was realising, oh crikey, I'm good at this? Um... Oh, I still don't know if I realise that. <laughs> still feel like I'm winging it a bit. Hang on a moment now, you have a book out. You know? know. <laughs> and a business. I know, I know. I still sometimes I'm like, is that actually happening to me? <laughs> so for me, like, I, I say, like, when it comes to, like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know how to describe it because I didn't set up the business as in, like, I didn't have a business plan. I actually put a business plan together about two years ago. <laughs> I haven't looked at it since. But, I, I didn't set up the business to be a business and to make cakes. I'd done it to be in a kitchen every day and know that that was my happy place. And I kept saying to myself, like, I was I was at such rock bottom. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, there, nothing can be as bad as where it was before. So that's what I done. I went into work every single day making cakes. Not really selling any cakes, but making them anyway. I remember we were in the kitchen or we were in the shop when we had originally opened and I would be selling a box of six cupcakes, closing the door and running down to Super Value to be able to buy the ingredients to make a cake that was on order for the next day. But I was not, that didn't deter me at all. Like the business side of things, I was like, that'll work out. I just need to be in the kitchen and I need to just keep baking and doing what I'm doing. So now you've got the business the book, yeah. the book is headed for number one, and you're yeah. not, and you're not even thirty yet. I'm not thirty, no. <laughs> it is a dream, though. I used to joke at home with my mom and dad and everybody. I used to like because I used to make up recipes and everything. I used to say, "Oh, I love a I love a cookbook before I'm thirty. 
completely joking, not realizing that I actually probably manifested that over the years. And then I will have it. I have a cookbook. I have a cookbook. <laughs> I'll be 30 Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Day. Yes. That'll be I some know. celebration. Yes, there will be, there will be. Good, good. You know what, congratulations. The book is called Sweet Therapy, The Joy of Baking. And it's unusual in that it also in, in, encompasses your, your own story. It's not just the joy of baking, it's the story of how you came to do what you now do and do so well. Una Leonard, uh, the author of Sweet Therapy, which is out now in all good books and on Dole Kindle as well. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. At Collins during next month's Jazz Festival, legendary Irish singer Mary Cotham is set to play two shows taking place on Sunday, October 30th. The first show is 2.30pm and then later on at 6pm with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. Autumn Air returns to Mitchellstown in November featuring intimate shows by Paul Noonan, The Scratch and Jerry Fish at the Yard Bar and Walsh's. Joining them will be the likes of RSAG, Brona Gallagher, Lorraine Nash and more with a very special guest to be announced this week. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. Some more of your budget comments. An absolute joke, says Jane, unless you're a business making 150 grand a year and spending more than 4,000 a month on the lecky bill. Claire says I'd be better off if I gave up the job and went on the dole. Nothing for the people who work. My father is 74 and says it's the worst budget in the history of the state. Claire says a a brilliant budget for some people. I could nearly give up work. Great to see the dole getting a raise, says Martin. Two bonuses and 400 in fuel allowance. Is there any reason to work in this country? Nothing to benefit those who are earning a lower income, says Ashling. I got F all and I'm a low wage earner. John says then Sinn Féin are like every other politician. They're very kind in opposition. but When they come into power, it'll be a different story. And Tim says the government could have put everyone on the same tariff as ESB staff. City fathers and mothers could help then by using their powers to reduce property tax. They already have a windfall of upward revaluation of properties and therefore of property tax. And for the first time in a long time, they actually give something to the person who works in childcare and a change in the tax rate. Normally, if the worker if the worker is the person who's forgotten about. And pages more. Back to them after the news. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The big drive home. Weekdays from four. On Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Here's a question for you. How far are you willing to go to win yourself a thousand euro? For a thousand euro, I'd wear my clothes inside out for a month. For a thousand euro, I would kiss random strangers on the cheek for an hour. For a thousand euro? I'd shave my head. Okay, put the razor down. I have a much easier way for you to win and I'll tell you all about it on the show this week. Also details on Cork's 96 FM's huge new giveaway and the one second song is still going. So make sure you're with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home on Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 0818 The number to call. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Returning to the budget before midday speaking to money doctor John Lowe who will crunch the number for, numbers for us and tell us if it is generally fair across the board because everyone with a political background everyone with a lobbying background will say it's fair from their point of view or it's not fair from their point of view John just crunches the numbers and he will give us his verdict and then we'll talk with Public Expenditure Minister Michael McGrath before the end of the opinion line today. And your comments still welcome and indeed questions for the Minister when uh, he comes on the air. But first of all, tonight, special edition of RTE's Nationwide, focusing on two young men who came to prominence a number of years ago. Um, and an idea started between them in lockdown sitting at home, bored of their minds in, in a shed, chatting about what are they going to do now. Uh, lockdown had pretty much stopped everyone doing anything. And one said to the other, well, why don't we start an old podcast and see how that might go? Uh, it's gone well. It's gone to over 120 episodes, their own studio, a sellout show or a couple of sellout nights at the Opera House. And now, like we said, a special on Nationwide to speak, of course, of the two Norries. James Leonard is with me. James, morning, sir. 121 episodes and more in the can. It's flying. It is, and it's, it's, it's good for you to refer to us as young men. I don't know how long we'll get away with that description, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I still describe myself as a young man, James, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Take me back to where, I mean, obviously it started really, the Tunari's phenomenon, if you let me use that word, started with you uh-huh. on Tommy Tiernan. And then... That's, that's right. You talked to me and to others, and then Timmy. Timmy was much slower to come forward and do interviews, but, but when he did, we, we got an insight into, into his life and what he'd, been, what he'd been through, as well as what you'd been through. Where did, where, at what point, had you always been friends? Yeah, we grew up in the same area. I'm actually sitting in my car there up in Holly Hill, but we're from Ard Cullen, which is up near Apple Computers headquarters. Um, and we're from the same estate, so Timmy would Timmy's house would be about 30 metres from my house, and our mothers would have been good friends. Now, Timmy's five years older than me, so he'd have been close age with my brother Keith, but I would have grown up in, in Timmy's house with his brother John Paul and his other brother Thomas, you know, so we'd have very close families in a nice little tight-knit estate. But how, how, how the thing came about then was, you're right in saying that, I was on the Tommy Turner show, but in fact, they asked Timmy and my wife Gillian and another one or two people as well, and they all declined it. And initially I declined as well, but they came back and uh, they asked me a second time a year later. So that's how that came about. And then I think when Timmy seen the response I got, which was very positive, he felt then that maybe, you know, there's merit in kind of speaking up to help others, that it was a safe safe to do that, you know what I mean? So that's how it started and Timmy's first venture then was the first two podcasts we ever did was giving Timmy's story and then we kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, and like I said, 100 and, 120 episodes. Some very special ones will be focused on in 
this program tonight, but it's also telling your entire story, and it's gone way, way back. It does. It goes back to the childhood. So they recorded up in Holly Hill in Ochnahini, where we grew up. They interviewed my mum and my aunt, my wife Gillian. We were over in UCC. We were on the grounds of the old car prison. We were down in Sunday as well, Blarney Street, where I had my last overdose. They were in the Bridewell Garda Station cell with Timmy, where he had his turning point. And, you know, they were out in our homes. And it's very comprehensive. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm very anxious to see what they cut in. But the whole show is dedicated to the two Narries, which is great. Yeah, it, 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 it must have taken an incredible amount of work on behalf of a production crew to set all those various places up. When, when it was did, four full days of recording. When did they come to you, James? They they actually came to us. We had a guest on the podcast there last year, Joe Slattery. He runs an equine therapy place mm. up in Limerick City. Mm. And he contacted me a few months ago and he says, uh, the woman, the, the producer from Nationwide, seen his podcast at us. And out of that, then she, she did a Nationwide special on him. So not long after that, then she contacted us herself. So this this producer was a fan of the podcast. Um, and she's from Cork as well, which always helps PJ. We look after ourselves, you know what I mean? But uh, that's, how, that's how we came about. So we met them and we loved the idea and we just felt like that we could trust them because Nationwide tends to be a positive show and we felt that there's going to be no dramatisation of anything here and it'll be really sensitive to ourselves and our communities and everybody, you know, affected by it, you know. So the process was lovely and... Uh, there's no presenter so it's more like a documentary so there's nobody like met with us asked us questions it was more like a documentary so I'm interested to see how the editing process went but they were delighted with us because it's it's really important to you both to be authentic uh, and has been since day one like going back there to the place where you took your last overdose and Timmy in the cell where he had his had his turning point I I, I expect James they're, they're still painful to revisit those moments but it's very important to you that you do from time to time. Yeah, and the first point there about the authenticity, see, that's our whole our whole ethos is we're authentic because we don't have any media training or backgrounds in media or journalism or anything like that. We kind of fell into this and we're finding our way. But what we do have is authenticity and we just try to be ourselves. We know we're not finished articles and we're rough around the edges, but what people like is that we, we know that we don't try to be anything else. And then the other part of the question, yeah, it was re-traumatising to go and visit the place where I had my last overdose because I hadn't been there since. And I imagine it was tough for Timmy to go back to the guard cell, even though the guards treated him really well when he went to request access to it. And then, like, I know my auntie Claire and my mum, they were crying, uh, speaking to the nationwide. And, you know, it would have been tough. But there's a lot of healing in, in, in that as well, I think. Yeah. And coming from those two tough moments in both of your lives to walking James onto the stage of the Opera House and finding that there's barely room to move in the place describe that change for me it was a huge honour actually uh, that people would spend their Saturday night and pay money to come and see us and pass the guest Pat Falvey. That was a huge honour. And the fact then that you couldn't get a ticket, you could barely get a seat, it was full house, the energy and the atmosphere, it was, the theatre was full of, like your, it was a home audience, a lot of friends and family, neighbours, but lots of strangers as well. It was a lot of people from Galway, Listol, Tralee, Killarney, and just people feel a real affinity to what we talk about. It affects a lot of families just well outside Knocknahini. 
So that's the draw there. And it was, you know what? It was the pinnacle of what we've done so far, the Opera House. And the Opera House is a huge, a huge icon in the city as well, you know. Yeah. What have you learned about each other and about life since you started doing this? Lastly. Well, what I've, le- what I've learned about Timmy is that it's very hard to keep him on time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because he's so busy with other construction stuff. No, but I've I've learned with Timmy that I, I, I know when Timmy is comfortable to come in and I know when he wants me to come in and vice versa. So I know the body language, the energy, the facial expression, how he finishes sentences when it's appropriate for me to come in and he gets that with me. So we complement each other well there. And what I've learned as well is that the, the, the podcast itself what people listen to on Spotify or watch on YouTube that's the tip of the iceberg to what goes into it and we spoke to yourself on our podcast the other night which will be out in a few weeks about the background stuff that goes into producing a show like yours or a show like ours there's a huge amount of work and effort goes into it but it really makes it worthwhile when you get feedback from people of how it's helping them and we've got a few awards down through yeah. the last couple of years as well which you know makes it worthwhile you know Okay. Well, people can hear the story from the start and catch up with where you are uh, right here, right now, tonight on Nationwide. James, always a pleasure to speak to either one of you lads. And uh, thank you for having me the other night. I look forward to... I'm almost going... I'm almost thinking, what did I say? Were I all right? <laughs> I know. It's a bit like coming out of a job interview. I should have said this and that, but you said what you meant, you were meant to say and you did really well. So uh, thanks again for coming down. And thanks for having me. We look forward to it. James Leonard and, of course, uh, Timmy. Timmy's working uh, down, I think, in Kerry today. Uh, from the Two Norries podcast, they're featured tonight in a full special on Nationwide from 7. 0818 96 96 96. That's, of course, on on RT1. Reminded to you, Premier League Live is back this weekend with Trevor Welsh on 96fm.ie. Saturday from midday, powered as usual by Talk Sport. Live coverage this weekend Arsenal v Spurs at 12.30, big London derby. Liverpool against Brighton at 3, and West Ham v Wolves at half past 5. All live on the app. Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman. Your home of the big screen on the Corks 96 FM app. Just open it up and you'll find the little button there. Or you can go to 96fm.ie. What have you found in your child's mouth? You know, when they're small, morning boys, young lads took a Jay's toilet block out of the loo and uh, was munching on it for two minutes before we spotted it. Our one went through a ladybird eating phase. I came home and found my husband asleep on the couch and my two and a half year old face down in the cat's litter box. <laughs> Hang on a second now. If I came home and I saw one of my children with the legs of a daddy long legs yeah. hanging out of their mouth, the child would be on done deal within the hour. <laughs> Gone. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noeldc.com open 24-7 back to budget 2023 and just one line that says please stop using the war as an excuse for everything I think it's to do with energy prices and all that stop using the war as an excuse for everything Antoinette, as a carer, I'd prefer our government would get the the HSE to get its finger out and give our children the services and equipment they need. Twelve euro, this is on the carer's allowance, doesn't even touch the sides of what parents are paying for our children. We can't keep carrying the can for their mess. And here's a lengthy one from someone who's clearly... Um, 
very annoyed and very upset. I'm a PhD student funded by my university. I'm also a mother. I took a significant pay cut to pursue this PhD and I'm at my wit's end. We get a stipend of 18500 which barely covers living. I'm not considered an employee. I'm not entitled to any support from the government because I don't contribute through PRSI. Yesterday, Minister Simon Harris vaguely pointed towards PhD students getting a €500 bonus. I thought it's better than nothing. It might help me get somewhat through the winter. I was wrong. The payment is just for government-funded scholars. Nothing for us yet again. My son started school this year. I was entitled to nothing. If I get sick, I'm entitled to nothing. I'm probably going to need a part-time job now. I'm topping my full-time PhD just to live. PhD scholar? More like PhD squalor. I'm sick of this country. You can never get ahead. That's interesting, though. The 500 euro bonus, this person says they don't get it because it's for government-funded scholars. Interesting. 0818 96 96 96. Now, you could look at women's health yesterday and you could say it was a fairly good day. As of, I'm assuming whenever it comes in, I don't know whether it came in at midnight or whether it'll come in on January 1st. There'll be no VAT on period products from here on. There'll be no VAT on HRT products. Free contraception for those aged between 16 and 35. And I think 35. And a big change with regard to a drug called Cariban, which is for the treatment of a condition called hyperemesis. This is the awful, extreme level of morning sickness that some women experience during pregnancy. And this is a drug that can be taken to assist and to ease the awful symptoms of hyperemesis and very expensive drug but it's to be made available free uh, made available on the drugs payment scheme and all those things which campaigners like hyperemesis Ireland have been seeking for quite some time Nicola Offord is their spokesperson. Nicola, when we last spoke about hyperemesis on the opinion line, people told me that Caravan was a game changer if it worked for you, but that officialdom treated it as a food supplement, and so it was very expensive. That's all going to change. A welcome development. Good morning. Yes, absolutely fantastic news. Um, it's been a really long campaign. There have been a lot of complications along the way, including, as you say, a, a period when we were told it was a, a food supplement, which um, just simply wasn't right. Um, uh, but look, we, we've got there in the end. We heard yesterday that um, uh, Caravan, which is the brand name for pyridoxine, doxylamine, um, will be reimbursed. There'll be funding established to do that. Uh, we're still waiting for a little bit more detail on it and how that will be managed. I hope it will be really simple. The last thing you need when you're pregnant and sick is a lot of paperwork and we're really hoping that um, it'll apply also to uh, prescriptions from GPs as well as in the hospital. Again, the idea being that if it does work for you, and it doesn't work for everyone, but if it does work for you, it can help you stay out of hospital in the first place. It was Kate, the now Princess of Wales, who I think brought this to prominence. And then when she 
hit the headlines suffering as badly as she did, loads of people came to us and said, hey, I've got that too. Yeah, it affects about um, high-premises gravidarum, which is kind of very intractable, very severe, nausea and vomiting in pregnancy. That will affect roughly 1% to 2% um, of of pregnant women. Um, But we do also know that, you know, a lot of other women will need uh, a timeout because of quite bad nausea and and vomiting. So, yeah, it it, it is quite common, but um, at, at, at the same time, um, you know, it, it's often unlikely women will know necessarily someone else who's been through it themselves. So that's why we run an online support group for women where they can get in touch with other people who, who know what they're going through um, and share experiences and, and lend a bit of moral support to each yeah. other. And like I said, it doesn't always work, but when it works, Caravan is a game changer. Um, yeah, for, 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 absolutely. For some women, it's the difference between... Um, being able to stay in work or ha- having to go out and go on sick pay for some women, it's the difference between being able to kind of mind your own children uh, in the home or having to pay for extra childcare. So, you know, it can make a really, really significant difference to, to people's well-being and their, their lives and, and their financial situation. Yeah, it was very expensive or is currently very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. I mean, actually, just the other day, uh, in fact, the day before the budget, we were contacted by a woman who was being charged €3.50 Euros 50 per tablet, um, which is absolutely extraordinary. It was €86 Euros every six days she was being charged. Um, and there's, there's really, there's, you know, no one can afford that. In, in €86 Euro every six days, 30 days in a month. Yeah. That's, that's nearly €500 Euro a month. <laughs> yes, absolutely extraordinary. I mean, that is, that is you know, an extreme case. And um, one thing I just wanted to mention as well is that there are a number of pharmacies who are currently offering it at cost price. Um, we have details of them on our on our Instagram page, or you, they can email us, and we can we can send them over. And that's a really kind gesture from from the medical community, which I, you know is interesting. It goes to show how 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 kind of how bad the situation was. Yeah. In general, this seems to have been quite a positive budget for women's health. You've got this development on Caravan. Also, an announcement in the budget that there'll be no more VAT on HRT products or no more VAT on period products. That that's got to be welcomed across the board. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're a very niche women's health charity. We've been really focused on our own, um, our own campaign. Um, but yes, absolutely. There's a number of really positive developments there, which, uh, which, which are to be welcomed. Absolutely. Nicole, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Nicola Alford from Hyperemesis Ireland. 0818969696. Just getting back to the cigarettes with John Mellon from Forest Erin on <clears throat> earlier on. 50 cents on the packet of 20 cigs since midnight. 50 cents. They're gone even more expensive than they were. And I was suggesting, just suggesting that maybe it would be a great way to save money if you can give them up. I know, I know it's difficult. People say it's the hardest thing to give up. Some people have said that giving up cigarettes is harder than getting off heroin. I don't know. I've never done either. But take it, take it that it is very, very difficult. PJ, I fully agree with John Mellon. I'm an ex-smoker myself, but some people simply can't give it up. Uh, Give up, stop smoking, just stop. Gives millions of people lung cancer. John Mellon's argument is dumb as people who argue for having the right to drive without wearing their seatbelts. That's dumb too. Cigarettes are bad news. End of story. How much does smoking-related conditions cost the health service is another question on that one. And smoking is a luxury. But I am a smoker. 
And I think if my smoking funds those in need, that's okay. John was referring to the huge amount of tax that comes in from smoking, which he estimates, I only have his numbers to go on, John estimated that the amount of tax that smokers pay is something between 800 million and a billion per year into the government coffers. Now, I mentioned earlier on this morning that your newspapers are full of supplements, uh, from short supplements to long supplements, from detailed analytical type supplements to just panels and tables of what was or what was not in yesterday's budget. But uh, as always, John Lowe, uh, the money doctor, a good friend of the opinion line, landed me late last night with a little document that sums the whole lot up. John, everyone in every lobby group has their own view of how this budget was. Uh, Everyone in every political party has their own view of this budget. Just on the numbers, with 11 billion to spend, did they spend it fairly? Morning, John. Well, the first thing is that they didn't have to borrow it, which is even the the best thing about it. Um, And did they spend it as best they could? I think that they, they didn't do a half bad job, in fairness. Like 4.1 billion went on cost of living supports. Now, as long as those cost of living supports are not required again next year, then we'll be fine. But if we're in the same position as we are next year, then, you know, they've got a, they have apparently put by 7.5 billion uh, for this potential uh, eventuality. But at the same time, uh, it'll be a disaster if, if this continues because we, we really can't afford um, this kind of uh, generosity, for want of a better word. Yeah. But it is, it is good. It's, it's going to mean a lot of people, uh, PJ, this coming Christmas will be, um, first of all, a lot better off and a lot more comfortable than they would have been without these supports. Yeah, We're looking into the winter and spring and it has to be said that the three biggest electricity bills of anyone's year will come between now and say March or April and €200 Euro off each one of those bills. It can't be sniffed at. No, absolutely not. At 600, absolutely not. Uh, so it's November, January and March, which is the, 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 the three important parts. I mean, we will all be using the, the heat. Uh, I'm, I'm killed telling the, you know, the kids to switch off the lights and close the doors. You know, you can only do so much and only put in so much uh, water into a kettle if you're only going to boil for a couple of people. Um, but you, you are conscious, much more conscious than you ever were about trying to uh, not economise, but, uh, but, but just to get value really. Essentially, PJ. The argument that the government makes when you put a figure to them, so let's pick a figure here. They say, someone, I have just done this, someone on a salary of 30k hmm. will pick up an extra 190 through the tax changes. Someone on 90k will pick up an extra 830 approximately. Now, the government's response to that is in the round, the low paid person does better. Would you agree? Um, I, I, I wouldn't really, but I do think that there's a, an awful lot of, of um, a comment uh, on the squeeze middle. And it is actually the squeeze middle. If you, I'm sure you're getting loads of families who are ringing you in, PJ, with, with their problems. They've got you know, three or four children. Uh, they're on decent salaries. They're on over 40 grand, but they can't cope. That's right. I mean, I've had, I've had couples in with me whose combined income is, is more than 250,000 and they can't cope. And people listening whose combined income is 25,000, John, are wondering, how the hell? 
Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, those people who are on 25,000 combined have no tax uh, liability, first of all. They've got very little um, PSI, very little universal social charge. So, I mean, they have, I mean, they, they, they have saved possibly a little on the, on the 2% universal social charge. They've got the 75 euros PAYE credit additional. Um, they're not going to avail, obviously, of the income tax um, largesse, which is up, you know, to 40,000. I mean, there was uh, a lady on to me this morning, and she's on 36,000, so uh, she got absolutely no benefit at all from, from the tax um, changes. Yeah. That move from 36,800 to 40,000 as to where one enters the higher rate of tax, mm-hmm. certain people like Leo Varadkar have said that needs to be 50,000. Like, oh, is that unrealistic? Could we ever go there, John, over a series of budgets? I, I actually do think we can. And I, I do think, that, you know, just bear in mind, again, that squeezed middle family who who are just scraping a living uh, and, and we've been able to buy the groceries, been able to kind of bring the kids down to the school. They can't pay for uh, you know, fee-paying schools, um, and yet they've still got contributions to make. They've still got you know the all the the various things that are involved, extramural activities, and it's tough. It is tough. It's it's okay when like I, I maybe you're the same as as myself, PJ. That I'm out of the the nest. My my youngest is now 26, and when she got her job a couple of years ago, after six interviews, I said, Kerry, you're off the payroll, <laughs> and that's that's a great um, uh, kind of relief. But for the parents Parents who up to that level, uh, I mean, even third level alone, PJ, you're talking about 42,000 you need to, uh, to, uh, to accumulate to send one child to third level. And that means if you were able to put that 140 child benefit away from the time the child is born to the time it, it stops, which is the 18th birthday, you would accumulate 28,560 euros. You are still 14,000 shards in that same child to third level. So there's an enormous amount of planning involved, enormous amount of, and you don't want to be the only family who can't afford to send their their child to third level. Yeah. I think what you're saying to me, John, without actually saying it in so many words, is that families with young children could have done better out of this. Yes, they could have. And there could have been a bit more help, childcare. I mean, they have addressed a few areas there in childcare. And the, the double child benefit, at, uh, you know, in November is going to help uh, also, you know, considerably. But uh, it, as I said, it's still tough, especially when you have, you know, three or four child. Even, even though you're getting this child benefit in, four, three children, you're getting 420 euros a, a month in. It's, it, it's, you know, they eat you out of house and home, as you know, uh, PJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, lastly, John, you've done all this analysis, and obviously, when the finance bill comes and the social welfare bill comes, you, you'll do more. And the book is out when? Uh, it's out mid uh, December, and it's got actually a very uh, a, a little mini book within it, actually called "Teenagers, You and Your Money," a 148-page uh, additional kind of as I say mini book, and it's really. Um, Kind of, my son, who is now also well left the family home, but at 19 years of age, PJ, he was in UCD and he never failed an exam in his life. By the way, chartered accountant, all the usual. He said, "Dad, what's an overdraft?" 
So I said, there's something wrong with our system that you can you can have a fantastic education, you can pass all your exams, you, you still don't, don't know, know some things. of the basic stuff. So this this mini book is is out to address yeah. that. Yeah, I, I I was the guy who didn't know what a tracker mortgage was one time. <laughs> My last question came in on living alone allowance, John. This came in earlier on from Burr. She's a young widow, relatively young widow. She's in her early sixties. She doesn't qualify. She believes she doesn't qualify for living alone because she's only sixty-two. Is she right? Um, yeah, you, you, you have to be 66 uh, living alone um, uh, and uh, you get the allowance uh, and, and you'll get a, 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 a kind of lump sum as well. But you know what? I would still go down to those friendly people in the social welfare office because it is a mind it's it's really you know mind, uh, mind numbing basically the the details and all the various conditions and things that you have to meet. So go down and talk to them. Give them a call. Um, they are actually very friendly and they'll definitely tell you what the correct uh, situation is. All right, listen. Always a pleasure to speak with you, and thank you for the very. Uh, comprehensive summary last night which I shall keep near me for the next couple of days and the book will be out of course in December John's book he brings it out every year moneydoctors.ie is the website for more information and advice uh, from John Lowe 0818 96 96 96 Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 On Cork's 96FM. Right, I'm hearing that lights are still out on the roundabout at Dunkettle. So be wary of that. Just a few more of your comments. We just spent 11 billion on a budget and some of it was badly needed. But my point here is when we've got such a big surplus, couldn't we for once and for all create a computer system to target all kinds of benefits to those who actually need them. We keep hearing that it's too complex. If we just did it for once, we would save money forevermore and always have more money to give to the people who need it. Ashling says the Taoiseach would want to realise not everyone has kids, so we don't get the bonus allowance every month or the bonus extra payment next month. The real average wage of 25,000 to 34,000 got nothing in the budget. Well, uh, a miserly three euro a week. Uh, yeah, the average industrial wage, that's a very good point that was being made earlier on, I have to say by, Je- by Jed Nash, that the average industrial wage is, is pitched at about 40, 41,000. But the median, which is a different figure, but created from the same figures, the median's lower than that. And a lot of people on the median wage won't benefit at all from the tax change. Public Expenditure Minister Michael McGrath joins me just to finish out the programme today. Minister, when you went to bed last night after a very long day in the doll, were you happy with your day's work? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ, and, and sincere apologies for, for keeping you waiting. No problem. Um, look, we, we put our best foot forward. It's a large package of €11 billion. Euro. Um, we used our judgment to um, spread those resources uh, as best we can by targeting in particular those that we believe are the most in need. And in the round, when the analysis is done, and we've already done our own analysis, uh, we do believe that those that needed the most help um, are getting it in this budget. Uh, people will form their own view and, uh, you know, more than happy to take any any specific questions you want to put to me. Well, numbers don't lie, Michael. A salary of 30k gets you an extra 190 in the tax system. A salary of 90 gets you an extra 830. That's not fair. Yeah, it's 
in many respects, it's a function of our tax system. You know, if you're on 40,000, you also get the maximum benefit, uh, the same as somebody on 140,000 would get, um, because we do have that step effect in our system at the moment from 20% to 40%, and the effective rate of tax is very low for people on modest incomes. So we've tried to help them in other ways, whether it be through childcare, through reducing education costs, access to GP care, uh, dealing with student fees, student grants, people who are renting, getting a rental tax credit, and then, of course, through a whole range of social welfare payments and supports, some of which will be administered in the next number of weeks. €12 on the social welfare payment, where the, the world and their mother was talking about 17 minimum, just to stand still. Yeah, I appreciate that. And look, we, we've come at it a different way because when you add up the value of what we're giving between now and Christmas, if you were to spread that out on a per week basis, many people would be getting well over €20 Euro a week extra. Um, but we are doing it uh, by means of early payments between now and Christmas in a very targeted way. People living alone, mm. people on the fuel alone. But they're one off and they're gone then, you see. Yeah, they, they, they are, they are one-off, um, uh, but that doesn't uh, remove the value of them. And um, we are then able to bring in the €12 euro increase next year. The truth is, PJ, if we were to go with €20, euro, which many people called for, that would have been the entire budget. Uh, that would have been €1.5 billion euro, um, on one measure alone. And we wanted to make progress in other areas. There would also be £1.5 given to some of the most vulnerable people in the country, which this budget was supposed to be helping. Yeah, but again, if you add up what we're doing um, between now and Christmas, you're talking about uh, close to a billion euro uh, in relation to additional social welfare payments. Uh, and then next year's package is about a billion euro as well. So we're, just, we're doing it a different way. And uh, I acknowledge many people want to have a larger core weekly increase. Uh, they will also benefit, of course, from the, the energy credits mm. and from some of the other measures that we're bringing in. Why couldn't you have capped the prices like they're doing across Europe? Explain it again for me because I'm not quite getting it. Because it represents an unlimited liability for the state and for taxpayers, if I was to give PJ Coogan a commitment that you're not going to be paying Electric Ireland more than uh, a certain amount, um, and mm. a certain amount per unit is, is, uh, is the way that it is done in, in some places where, where it's been done, uh, of course, the amount that they pay for that energy um, is not within our control. So the wholesale price that they pay um, could be anything. And if we're saying that we will bridge that gap, whatever it is, it is an unlimited liability for the state. And uh, we think uh, at this point that is too big a risk. But even to, to do it till the end of February, maybe, or March? It still could be a gigantic bill. Uh, and we simply don't know what's going to happen. So we feel that targeted measures uh, through social welfare through the electricity credits is a better way to go mm. and then we are going to tackle the companies that are making very large profits. Yeah, how are you going to do that? And we're committing that any revenues we get from that will be given back to people. Oh. Will be given back to people through reduced network charges. And, yeah, uh, the standing charge, Michael, that's just ridiculous. That's going up quietly in the background all the time and there seems nothing to be yeah. done about that. Well, there will be something uh, done about the issue of network charges later today. The regulator is going to make an announcement. That's the, the CRU. Is that a standing charge? About, stand, about, about network charges, which we expect will then work, work its way down to the issue of standing charges. Will they have to pass it on in the form of standing charge? So what they will be doing is um, they will be 
bringing about a reduction in the network charges uh, that these that? companies have that? to pay. Um, that is the amount of money that they have to pay uh, for the maintenance and the uh, continued investment in the network overall. Uh, so if that amount is being reduced, uh, then that should make its way down to reduced standing charges. That should we hope? Can, I mean, does that have to be legislated for... Um, we, ex- we we expect that it will uh, work its way down to that uh, at the moment. Yeah, you're yeah, going to make sure of it, though. Yeah, well, it, it will certainly... Uh, it's a big companies. You can't always say, lads, will you do that for us? And they'll, 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 yeah, they'll I mean, oblige, the, you know? I, the, I know that. We're, we're well aware of that. I mean, the difficulty is, PJ, if you bring in a law that, let's say, caps a standing charge, then they just put up the per unit cost and it doesn't change your bill overall. So, you know, in the absence of, of capping charges, which we think is the wrong thing to do, um, we... And you we stand will, over that. Do you still believe it would be the wrong thing to do? Uh, I, I do at this point, certainly. Uh, I think it's an unlimited commitment that the state will be asked to make. Um, but look, there's a lot of uncertainty. We'll have to see what happens in the coming months in yeah. relation to the energy markets. Um, this package will certainly bring a lot of help and benefit to people um, but as with all things you know we have to keep this under very close uh, monitoring. Lastly and we are over time I, Money Dr John Lowe was analysing the numbers for me there a while ago and he said that you really need to be in a position where you don't have to do this again next year or if you did have to do it again next year you'll have the funds to do it next year. Next year you'll probably be the Minister for Finance Michael. Will you have the money to do it a second time if you have to do it a second time? Um, the money will be there because the economy is in good shape and our public finances are healthy. Uh, we are projecting a surplus next year of uh, over €6 billion. Euro, and last night we've made the decision uh, uh, in the Dáil uh, to implement the government decision to uh, transfer €6 billion Euro into a reserve. Okay. So I think the truth is, PJ, we have to be flexible and agile to respond to events that are unforeseen. Um, we're not having to keep things. We're not having to borrow. Yeah, to you do what are we already loading the piggy bank in advance for next year, which is a good economic sense. Yes. Lastly, and very briefly, parents paying rent for college students, are they going to be able to avail of the tax credit of €500? So the tax credit is for uh, for named tenants who have a tax liability uh, against which the credit can be offset. So the truth is for many students, um, I, I think not all of them will get it because they would not be uh, the name tenant and some of them may not have a tax liability anyway so to absorb no. the tax credit so many and of them won't and if the premises but, but, but is but not registered get, with the PTRB yes well, yeah, we ha- I mean we have to we have to uphold the system we can't reward um, you know so uh, only registered premises yes. will be eligible for this yes and the full details will be in the finance bill which right. will be published shortly which means the thousands of people in unregistered premises will not qualify for that tax cut. But we, again, you, you do have to work within the rules. Thank you for your time, uh, Minister uh, Michael McGrath, Minister for Public Expenditure. That's it. We're gone way over time. We're back in the morning just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.